I'd like to, to title my stray thoughts for tonight, uh, Music of the Heart. And I had all kinds of plans about how to embellish that title, but then I was, while I was sitting, I was uh, derailed by my thoughts. Any of you ever have that experience? <laughs> But the thoughts that I had actually fit nicely into the topic I had for tonight about music of the heart, which really was all about learning how to let our, our mind, our attention sink into our heart and to use whatever means available to us in this life, internal or external, to help us to come home again to uh, the heart of our being, to, the, to our innermost being, to our, that sense of home that's both a felt experience. Well, I'll just tell you a little experience that I had, and then I'll tell you the thought that, that derailed my sitting tonight. I was driving along the other morning having the great good fortune of driving my recently turned eight-year-old daughter Molly to school and I turned on the radio in the car well actually I turned on the CD and there was some Celtic harp music playing and instantaneously upon hearing the Celtic music, I felt this stirring in my heart, a kind of, uh, kind of re reverberation, a kind of vibration in the heart. And then I felt this ra the radiance of that flow through my whole body, a kind of full body, we'll call it a full body rapture, but I don't want it to sound too exotic, because it was just that sense of, of all of a sudden just sinking into the sense of a heartful presence where I felt as though I was home again and my, I felt that my life was complete in that moment because I, was, I could care again. <laughs> I was back in that, that place of responsiveness and caring which I can easily lose and I know that many of us lose. And I had the experience recently of being quite uh, over a little, as I mentioned last week, I had been a little short of breath and faint uh, f for several days while I was leading a retreat. At the end of it, a strange thing to do at the end of that retreat, but I wanted to be able to see the, uh, the Gertrude Stein exhibit at the, at the MoMA, so I when thinking that I was going to, because I, I've always really loved Picasso, I love the Picasso Museum that I've been to, one of the really special, but I didn't realize that, um, I didn't realize that I was also going to a Matisse and several other artists exhibit. But I went into that exhibit and it was very difficult initially to be downtown after having been a little bit under the weather, a little strange feeling, and it was crowded. And But I took one look at the Matisse painting, one of the Matisse paintings, and I had that 
sense of rapture again. It, there was something about that entering my visual field, and it's mysterious how that happens, but my heart opened. I felt very settled in my body. It's as though nothing had ever happened. Everything transformed. And I realized that, that those moments, for me, the world, whatever world I had created in my mind, whatever mission I was on to get somewhere, wherever I had, wherever I, whatever was, I may have been preoccupied with, not even knowing I'd been preoccupied, all of a sudden, that world that I had been living in ended, and I was back in, in some ways, in reality, in a, in a more vivid complete way, that more of that sense of being at home. And of course I can't, these are moments of grace and I can't rely on, I can't rely on those moments to end the world, that the worlds that I enter into and spin out. And I can't just uh, automatically just stop going out of myself uh, being disconnected. But they remind me that that option is open. The option to live uh, in the here and now. The option to end, at least to first and initially, to see the difference between the world of my imagination and then the effect of that on my body and what happens when my imagination fades and time stops and I, I realize something, some little secret of what is inside of me. The same that is inside of me is the same that's ins- inside of you. It's not just, it's not just, it's, it's, it's universal as Kabir put it. The guest is inside you and also inside me. You know the sprout is hidden inside the seed. We are all struggling. None of us has gone far. Let your arrogance go and look around inside. The blue sky opens farther and farther. The daily sense of failure goes away. The damage I have done to myself fades. A million suns come forward with light when I sit firmly in that world. I hear bells ringing that no one has shaken. Inside love, there is more joy than we know. Rain pours down, although the sky is clear of clouds. There are whole rivers of light. The universe is shot through in all parts by a single sort of love. So this is just one example of the the, lang- the universal language of poetry, always pointing, always doing its best to point us back to this uh, this secret, this vital present, this eternal now, back to ourselves, to the one as I think I was sharing last week those brief words from Derek Walcott, where he says the in his poem called "Love After Love," he says to the, Give back your heart to itself, to the one who has loved you all your life, who knows you by heart, whom you've ignored for another, 
Give back your heart to itself. So like I said, I can't always rely on Celtic music or a Matisse painting. But I can, I can volitionally, I can with clear intention, I can begin to point my attention. I can come out of the tangle, as Rumi put it, come out of the tangle of fear thinking. And for moments during the the day, at any moment, I can live in silence. I can put my mind gently back in my body. And then I can feel, as as I recommended you did during the sitting tonight, I can feel that sensitivity that I am, that tenderness. And it may come in the form initially of feeling my heart is tight. It may come in the form of my body is frozen. But if I keep brushing that dust of memory, I keep whittling away at my tendency to go out, I begin to feel more at home again. More here. And more in the seat of the heart. And it's only when I'm actually here with you, not somewhere else, not preoccupied, it's only when I'm really here that I can love, that I can feel. And then I'm, then I'm just by virtue, it's not something I've accomplished. It's just I've returned to my natural state. And that's why I felt that was the grace of those moments. So I say all this in the backdrop of the, or as kind of the, the um, prelude to talking a little bit about my eight-year-old Molly, who I'm driving to school. Molly has entered into that phase of development. Some kids have this, everyone does this, but some kids have it more than others, where she experiences the world of pleasure and pain gain and loss feels important and then not so important because the the kids they have their way of excluding and including and not always in the most sensitive way i don't know if you've i think probably everyone here has a story not just as a as a child but as an adult of inclusion exclusion in fact now they give classes at the school about uh, inclusion, because the kids are get so traumatized by the slightest little turn of attention away from one person, and just because they feel the impulse to go play with another. This, so that kind of thing happens. And Molly experiences these kinds of challenges in her day-to-day life, and in her little mind that doesn't really know what to do with that she gets frustrated and irritated and then she like the rest of us she projects it on her parents or on <laughs> the nearest people around and she even if for example even if i'm feeling so open hearted toward her she would say she could very easily say why are you being so mean And I become the I become the field that she begins to work out her her uh, world that's gotten created in her mind in reaction to those simple 
but very impactful experiences of, um, of her day. And each of us, in our own way, is having those moments of being impinged upon, where we've where something is that comes into work, either a person, a place, or a thing, or a situation arises in our in our lives. It produces a, a some kind of mental reaction because everything, anything that comes into any one of our doors of perception, any one of our senses always comes accompanied with a feeling based on conditioning, comes with a feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant or unpleasant, otherwise known as neutral. Everybody, all day long, is having these, these different, uh, different little colorings of experience, different valence, comes with every single moment. And as we know from the teachings, when a, when a moment is colored by pleasantness, we tend to want more of it. And that produces its own little reaction of, of, I like this. When it's unpleasant, which it often is if you were born, that unpleasantness is quickly followed by not liking, aversion. And that produces tension. And that internal tension of not liking, of feeling uncomfortable, then tends to and it's so clear with Molly, so clear in my own mind, it tends to spawn uh, a projection. Some picture, and in this case it's very murky and not very easily articulated, but in, in more conscious adults, we can see the way it proliferates into a narrative, into a story about what, what that person did and how they're wrong, and what they should have been doing. And meanwhile, we are captive. We have, as the, as the Buddha talked about it, we have literally created the world at that moment. We've created the sense of me in the world in conflict with life in some way. I am, I've got to, I've got to figure it out, and I've entered in the world, the Buddha called this the second noble truth. The cause of suffering is the state of craving for becoming, for trying to, trying to work it out, trying to get, trying to find some kind of peace and happiness. But the way that manifests is our mind starts stirring. He used a word to describe this tendency of mind to project and then to build monuments to, to what, what's wrong and what needs to be made right. He called this papancha. For those of you who haven't been exposed to this word, papancha, which is loosely translated as complication, proliferation, uh, compulsion. But here's a, a few traditional translations of the word papancha, just so you can relate to it. And you could say that this, it's in this little world of our mind that we create the world as we imagine it to be. And at the same time, this is where we miss the world, where we lose the world as it actually is. We lose that sense of abiding in the heart, that sense of fullness, that sense of presence, that sense of home. Again, here's the definition of papancha. The unbidden going of the mind away from the present to imagined experiences or objects. That's pretty simple. 
So when the next time you see your mind do that, you can say, oh yeah, there's papancha. And you'll see that your mind does that quite automatically. It's not personal. Now, of course, each of us in our individuality is conditioned. We, we, we may, our mind may do that more or less depending on what, you know, what our tendencies are, what our traumas are, what our, what our um, skills are. And that's just the way it is. We try to make peace with whatever our conditioning is. That's part of our, why it's so important to keep sinking back into the heart. So if nothing more, we can bring a sense of caring. And a, even if it starts with a feeling of sa- so much sadness for how much life we miss when we're busy either making other plans or busy being in reaction to something that happened yesterday, last month, or for the last 25 years. As Ajahn Sumedho says, we can, we can literally spend our, we could spend 25 years completely oblivious to the heart of the present moment. Because our tendency, once we enter into that world, is then to kind of get contracted and, as he used to put it, hide away in fear and dullness. We kind of shut down and, and feel uncomfortable and then we have to have more and more stimulation to, to wake us up again. But there's, the good news is that we can put our mind back in our body, our tension back in our heart, and we can heal. We can come home to ourselves. Again, the unbidden going of the mind away from the present to imagined experiences of, or, or objects. This is a little more flowery. The propensity of the worldling's imagination to erupt in an effusion of mental commentary that obscures the bare data of cognition. Do you know, I really like that phrase, bare data of cognition. It sounds so technical. But the, when I hear the word bare, I don't think of naked bodies. I think of our heart, our mind stripped away for a moment of memory, of hope, of expectation, of demand, of fear, of anxiety, of worry. And able and the ability to experience things just as they are. That when, when in those moments, those moments of grace and freshness, as the Buddha put it, in the scene, there's just what's seen. In the heard, there's just what's heard. In the smelled, what's smelled. In the tasted, what's tasted. In the felt, just what's felt. In the cognized, just what's cognized. That's all. Not much really going on. As I like to put it, nothing really has ever happened. There's just been these six experiences repeating themselves over and over. That's the totality of our lives. And the drama that we experience, which is, you know, which seems so real, it's hard to believe that it's in some ways an embellishment. It's a reaction to these simple sense experiences. So we don't want to deny that 
that we live in that world of drama where we hurt each other and are hurt and we, we rail against ourselves, against the world, all, all, the whole drama of life. It's not to deny that that doesn't happen. But it's a reminder that in the midst of that, there is a, there's a secret. That friend, that guest is inside of you. That peace is, that freedom, that simplicity is available in any moment. So I see what actually allows Molly to come out of the tangle of her fear thinking and her projections. We do our best to just love her up. Know that she doesn't have the tools to to um, to track her own proliferations, her own papancha. That she, in fact, she needs to to, in order to find out where she stops and the world begins and figure out the mess that she's in, she needs to have somebody to blame at this point. But by loving her, by loving her up, and I don't know whether it's going to work or not. It's just going to be, I'll, it will just be my part. Because she will be influenced by many conditions beyond my will or my wish. But at least it's possible that that love will ultimately be internalized. That love will be internalized and so she at least will learn how to self-soothe, how to come to her own rescue when she's upset, how to stay in her heart, stay embodied when she's upset, rather than have to, rather than to be so uncontained as she is now, that she needs to go out in projection or go out into her imagination. And the key for all of us is to, if we have not learned how to soothe ourselves, love ourselves, to apply the tried and true uh, tools of meditative awareness, of loving kindness, so that we can we can learn how to, um, we can reparent ourselves. I know I've mentioned this on Tuesday, but the, some of the studies now, the brain studies, the, uh, the neuroscience has confirmed a similar reaction in the brain when a person practices mindful, kind attention to whatever it is that's happening at one of those little six senses that it's the same action in the brain as when a person feels like they have been kindly parented. And so the, one of the functions of mindfulness, one of the functions of loving kindness is to reparent. It's to help us learn how to care for ourselves. And it turns out that when we, when we are able with our own heart and mind to give space to what's there, there is, a, there is a healing, there is a soothing, there is a settling, there is an increased sense of balance and focus. But the only way that happens is if we practice, if we keep doing it. 
So I don't, I can't wait for Matisse or for Celtic music, but I can as many times as I can remember during the day, as many times as you can remember, to do, at least tonight I'm recommending two things. Same thing every week. One note Johnny, I call myself. <laughs> Put your mind in your body, your body in your mind, which means check in all day long. Keep embodied. You can do it. It's a split second, a half breath away. Feel your heart. Feel your sympathetic system. Your, feel your emotional sensitivity. Whatever you feel, hard, soft, open, fearful, feel it. We're great at thinking about. We're great at proliferation. We're not great at feeling. So in order to feel, sometimes we need to accompany that with kind words, with words of loving kindness, with wishing ourselves well. So I recommend do body scanning, do the three, we'll just throw out again the three-minute practice period. Whatever you're doing, whether you're sitting at a computer, sitting on a bus, standing in line, obviously, you, even while you're talking with somebody, you could do this, kind of this the stealth version. Put your mind, your attention in your body. Feel the sense of the whole body. Just do a quick scan of your body from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. Know what it's like to be, to have that, your mind in the same location as your body. And then feel your body breathe. Connect with the breath doesn't take long, few breaths, know that you're breathing in, know that you're breathing out, and then just sense what's happening in your emotional body, what, what's the feeling, any feelings that you may be having, and then notice what you may be thinking about if you're thinking. Just do that for a couple moments, and then look around, open your eyes, or if your eyes are open, and look around. Notice if anything has changed. Notice if you're, if you care a little bit more. If you're still in the narrow vortex of your own self-preoccupation, or if you are then able maybe to look around like that poem I often share from, I forgot his name, Bud Bill or something. Where he talks about Chung Su's, says all day long we're we're stuck in this bowl and we going crawling up the sides and falling back and he says stop, look around, see your fellow bugs, say nice bowl, something like that. Sometimes what it, what's necessary in f for us to orient to the present moment is to, is it may be too confronting to feel our bodies, to feel so close, to feel even alone. Sometimes we're afraid to be alone with ourselves, even for a moment. But one of our, a very gentle gateway or doorway 
to a sense of aloneness or a sense of immediacy is to check out just what's happening in the external mindfulness world. What's happening when I see? What do I see? And then what is it, what are, what is it I'm hearing? You don't have to name what you're hearing. You just have to see. And then you just have to hear. Then you just have to feel your body just for a moment. You don't have to stay there. See, hear, feel, maybe taste. Think about whether you brushed your teeth or not. See if there's any smell. So use your sense doors. Anything that can help orient you toward this vital present. Because this is, because um, it's not bad here. Where it's really bad is in those, in our imagination, sometimes. Sometimes our imagination is extremely pleasant. But more often than not, the world of our imagination is one of, of conflict. The world of our ma- imagination is one of, of, uh, of, future orientation and that's a world of anxiety because our orientation is so much about how things are going to turn out I real I played in a, a tournament in the sport that I'm kind of addicted to I won't I won't want to get into that tonight but I played in a tournament and I was really nervous in some ways very fearful and this sport, because I love it a lot, it's probably the place that I feel most uh, mentally ill in my life <laughs> when I play it. And then I realized that my fear was because I was focusing on the wrong question. Because the fear was that it was all going to go terribly and I was going to be humiliated. Any of you ever have that one? But that was the wrong question to dwell on, whether I was going to get humiliated or not. The right question was, so what happens if I do get humiliated? Absolutely nothing. It's just humiliation and you get over it. You figure out what to do. But our mind tends to fixate on, especially when it's future-oriented, about all the things that can go wrong. But we forget to realize that if they go wrong, then we figure out what to do about it. So much fixation, so much proliferation about our, the unborn future that doesn't even exist. And then the one who's going to fall prey to it, who also doesn't exist. It's the imaginary version of ourself that's gone off into that little effusion of of imagination and thought. So somewhere in the span of our life, we have to really get that uh, reality is here. And it's you now. It's, it's not your, it's not just your, um, your life story. It's much more intimate than that. It's much more 
those moments that you just that you're that you know you're alive um, and not so easily defined by your situation, not so easily defined by your roles, your titles, your accomplishments, but more you're you're into your uniqueness, your your isness, your suchness, your the just the flavor of you that just shouts so loud as Emerson says, who you are Shout so loud, I can't hear what you say. That's so easily missed. As we're always, as Audubon said, we're always consulting the field guidebook. He says, if there's a difference between the bird and what the field guidebook says, believe the bird. I've never shared that before here, have I? <laughs> <laughs> so there's I'm sure everyone here has could share some way that they that they that some way that you some some means that you use to remember your sense of presence that brings you back to your heart to the one who has loved you all your life, whom you've ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Every one of you has some way that you do that. Some of you through some sport or through music or through nature, through hiking, through this or that. And all those means are marvelous. But ultimately, we really should not need means to realize what's already and always here. And yet, the paradox is we need to use all the means we can until we remember. And so, use whatever you use. I recommend mindfulness all day long from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to bed. I recommend all the, the loving kindness that you can provide yourself and others the stealth version under your breath all day long. May you be happy. I love you. May, you. may you be free of suffering. Any kind of compassionate uh, action and availability that you can have to the world. If you can open your eyes to the suffering in the world, that's another thing. That is such a gift. Rather than hiding away in fear and worry about how things are going to turn out, Open your heart to how painful it is to be a human. And that will be a gift. It will put you back in that state of grace. You may hurt like hell, but you'll be happy that you're at home in a responsive, tender heart. So if you've been distracting yourself, hiding away, find a means of opening to the, the joys and the sorrows. Take delight Find the things that really spark your heart. The loving kindness practice. Just want to tell you what the Buddha said about it before you before we go home. This is one of his most famous sutras called the Metta Sutta, Sutra on loving kindness. This is what should be done. 
by those who are skilled in goodness. And I see everyone here as skilled in goodness. It's our, it's our nature to be good. This is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. If you are holding any kind of ill will, really, first forgive yourself, but then start to turn that into love. That's not the Buddha speaking. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward toward the skies, Downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, sitting or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. And the way I would put that is not, does not create, is not born into the worlds of our imagination and mistakes and mistakes them for reality. So let's just sit in reality for a few moments with all the love in our hearts that we can muster. And, and if you can't muster any loving kindness, Bring some loving kindness toward that, that block of your heart right now. Bring some caring and compassion. And just envelop your mind and body with attention, kindness. Just even appreciating the bottoms of your feet, your ankles, your calves, shins, knees, thighs, your genital or pelvic area, your hip sockets, your buttocks, 
your belly that's relaxed, solar plexus, your back, spine, heart, throat, shoulders, arms, neck, head, face, sensing the skin of your body, the flesh, the muscles, the bones of this body, all holding you up. Let it all be filled with kind attention, as though each movement of your attention is a caress of loving kindness. And as you breathe in and breathe out, feel as though you're breathing in and out of the heart center. Breathing in, loving kindness. Breathing out, loving kindness. Breathing in, self-acceptance. Breathing out, goodwill. And then dropping the words that reflect that deepest wish that you have for yourself. The deepest wish that all beings have for themselves. Words such as, may I be happy and peaceful. May I feel safe and protected from inner harm, that is, from myself, and from outer harm, from others. May I feel safe. May I feel healthy, have mental health and physical health, and be strong. And may I accept my physical and mental limitations graciously, kindly. May I have ease in my heart and a sense of well-being. May I not postpone this sense of presence, this sense of being seated in my heart. May I not postpone this for one moment. And as I want to be happy, as I wish that all beings can be happy and peaceful, safe and protected, healthy and strong. As I want to have ease of well-being, may all beings have ease of well-being. And given that I, in this quiet, I realize my connection, universality, my interbeing with all things, I dedicate my work, my life, my practice to not just for myself, but to the welfare and benefit of all beings. May all beings be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings live with ease. May all beings be liberated.
Thanks for listening. Anybody has any advice about Molly? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she's really great. She's a joy, and it's the parents that are mentally ill. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening and being here and supporting each other with your practice, and thank you so much for coming to the social uh, potluck and hopefully you'll it'll catch on and we'll keep doing it i'm just we have so much to be grateful for just the privilege of having good company and all of this so thank you and uh, just a reminder of the room rental donna and the teacher donna as usual to practice generously because we all this is uh this is all of ours. It's not just me and mine. It's, it's yours. And it only happens if we all support it. So thanks in advance for any teacher Donna or room rental Donna. And the basket is as it always is. And uh, hope you practice well putting your mind in your body and loving yourself this week and others. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.